Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined as always by my good buddy, my colleague at The Athletic, Paul Tenorio. Paul, what's up, man? Oh, man, you know, just living the dream, Sam, as we like to say around here, allocation disorder, just, you know, diving deep into MLS rules, you know? Is that a thing we say around here? We are living the dream, you know? We get to write about game I mean, this episode, this episode, we're definitely living the dream. I don't know that there's ever been an episode that's more queued up for, like, our sweet spot than this one. Um, And for those of you who pay attention to the show, those of you who listen to the show and pay attention to MLS, you probably already know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Miami and all of those roster rule violations. Um, We're going to dive into those in a second. You're listening to this hopefully on Friday after it came out. The U.S. men's national team played on Thursday night. Paul and I are recording on Thursday afternoon. We're not going to talk about the, the, the semifinal for the Nations League against Honduras. I'm sure Taylor and Joe will have that covered for you in the Total Soccer Show feed, so please go listen to that. So we're just going to spend this episode talking about Miami, and let's just give a little bit of background. Back in March, MOS announced that it was investigating Inter-Miami for its Blaze Matuidi signing. Blaze Matuidi was signed last summer as a targeted allocation money player. Everyone raised their eyebrow at that. Everyone was like, Blaze Matuidi? Targeted allocation money? Really? Everyone thought he was going to be a DP and that was going to be their third DP spot and they weren't going to sign a a number nine as a DP, but they got him on a TAM deal and then they preserved their final DP spot for Gonzalo Higuain, who arrived a few weeks later. They still weren't very good. They finished 10th in their Eastern Conference in the regular season. They snuck into that expanded playoff field and they got walloped by Nashville in the playing round. Bad season. Diego Alonso got fired. Anyway, MLS announces that they're investigating the Matuidi signing. They Shortly after they announced that he's going to have to count as a DP. That means Miami has four DPs. They have to buy out Matias Pellegrini. We've covered this on previous shows. Anyway, the full results of this investigation dropped last Friday. Someday in May. Friday of Memorial Day weekend. The old classic holiday weekend. Friday evening news dump. <laughs> and it was a doozy. It was more than we thought there would be. It wasn't just Matuidi that should have been a DP. It was also Andres Reyes who was on loan to Miami from Colombian from a from a club in Colombia last year. They had 5 DPs on the roster Paul. The maximum is 3. This is massive massive cheating. And in addition to that, three other players, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, Nicolas Figal, and Julian Carranza, they were found to have their budget charges artificially and illegally deflated. Miami was hiding their budget charges. So they were cheating a bunch of different ways. This was massive. I think it's fair to say it was systemic. And the punishments were really severe. Paul McDonough, who was the sporting director and CEO, COO of Inter-Miami at the time, um, he's been suspended through 2022 uh, for from MLS. Um, effectively, I mean, I can't see him working in the league again. That's uh, probably a career ender for him. In addition, Inter-Miami was fined $2 million dollars. Managing owner Jorge Moss was fined $250,000, and Miami will also be docked a total of $2.271 million in allocation money in 2022 and 2023. That was a lot. Paul, your thoughts. This is crazy, man. We've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I think what this is really did... I mean, in, in some ways, I think it just shows... Um, 
I think in some ways, I, I feel like it shows the pressure that was in Miami to to be really good, and then it just shows like this this belief that like you can get away with with anything in MLS. Arrogance, right? man. You can, Arrogance. you can get away with it. That that you have the ability to operate in a space where no one else in MLS operates, and realistically, that like you're not going to get caught, right? Like you're not going to get caught, and and no one's going to question it. And I think part of that comes from, you know. The Blaze Matweedy thing, the the arrogance to believe that you can get away with Matweedy as not being a DP comes from Zlatan, right? Zlatan signing with the Galaxy as a TAM player made every other possibility of a TAM player acceptable in a way, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, the difference here is I don't think anyone else has cheated to this level. I don't think. No. Um, there's no real so way either. to know. I don't think it's come but close. Like, not, I don't think. not in one season. Right. Not in one season. But I, yeah. I do think that, like, you know, this exposes the fact that there are gray areas in which teams operate and that there are instances in which the league has looked the other way for cheating. And in this case, I think for what stood out to you and I both from the jump on this is they weren't looking the other way and they weren't sweeping it under the rug. They were public with it from, you know, announcing that the investigation was happening to announcing that Matuidi was a DP to making sure that Miami, you know, followed the rules and how they handled the buyout of Pellegrini to, you know, the final announcement and enlisting all the other players who violated the roster rules besides Matuidi. And, and that, to me, is what stood out about this entire incident is that MLS basically went down the line of like, you know, basically saying this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. In our yeah, league. they they aired it out, man. Um, what do you make of the punishment? Punishment fit the crime for you? Yeah, you know, I I, I talked to some people about that. I think, um, you know, what's interesting to me is, look, I agree with you. I think this is a career ender for Paul McDonough in a lot of ways. Like getting suspended for two years, you know, maybe maybe someone takes a chance on him down the line how long down the line i don't know but this isn't not as a gm this though, isn't right no but uh, you know as like a number two or something like that like I, this isn't um college sports right in college sports you see people like uh kelvin sampson and and other coaches who have been caught cheating you know do their time take their punishment from the ncaa and when you think there's no way they're going to get hired again they get hired again right but, like, that's because this cheating is rampant at the college levels, right? Every program is doing the stuff that those guys are getting punished for, the recruiting violations, paying guys under the table. You know, here in MLS, like, there are certainly rules that are broken and lines that are towed. But this is at a different level, and no one's been hammered like this before. And so the punishment for Paul McDonough, do I think it fits the crime? Yes. I mean, you basically have kind of ended his work in major league soccer right yeah um yeah i thought the fine for jorge mas could have been more substantial i thought it was weird that they fined inter miami two million dollars and a personal fine to mas was only 250 maybe that's the limitation of what they're able to do in the board but you know they also wrote in the release that every single other owner was cleared of wrongdoing and yet you know the the franchise gets paid gets fined two million and Moss yeah only takes so, so i wonder I wonder how the mechanics of that works, right? Because if you're Jorge Mas and you're going to your brother Jose and David Beckham and Marcelo Clare and Masayoshi Son, which are the other owners, you're like, hey, guys, you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but like, you know, 
let's see your share of that $2 million fine. <laughs> right, like, right. How does that conversation go? Is that not just a fine? Maybe, it, it must be something like you said, where there's a limit or something on how much they can find an owner. Yeah. But, and then I think the other thing I would say is I was talking to a couple of different GMs this week about Miami and I asked about the allocation money fine. And I'm like, you know, how substantial is this? Like what kind of impact would this have on a roster? Like, do you know how much allocation money Miami had left? Like, are they really going to be impacted by this? And one person I, sp- I spoke to today was like, oh, this is going to crush them. Like, th- like losing that much allocation Dude. money, it-, it really hurts roster building. It really hurts um, and how you kind of make your decisions of who's coming back, who's not, who you can keep, where you can shop. Like, it, it has a pretty big impact on Miami. Well, let- let's just pause here and just talk about Miami's team for a moment. Right. Because it's going to be hard to rebuild and that allocation money is going to make it hard to for them in, in the next two seasons. It's roughly 25 percent of the total amount of allocation money that the league is granting to non-expansion teams in 22 and 23. That's that's the amount they got docked. This isn't they aren't starting from a position of strength here. This is not a good team. The roster is mismatched. I'm not sure that the coach fits the roster. Really? I'm not sure about the coach in general. I mean, you look at their 3DPs, man. We talked about Matuidi. He hasn't exactly been overwhelming. Gonzalo Higuain, I would say the same goes for him. Pizarro's not even playing right now. That was what, like a $10, $12 million transfer? Their most valuable DP, by the way, on the market. He, he's not, not even playing, playing man. Their, their best player this season? Like, has it been Federico Higuain, maybe? Like, the 36-year-old guy who has been in MLS forever and is making the minimum salary to go play with his brother? Like, that's not good. And, and you have Shawcross coming in, and he's not doing particularly well. Their young signings that they made from previous years have not looked good, right? And, and Pellegrini is out the door already. He ain't coming back. Um, Carranza hasn't shown anything. So you're already in a hole. You're already in a tough spot. And now Chris Henderson and Phil Neville and David Beckham and whoever else have to dig out of it with one hand tied behind their back, without all this allocation money. And they're probably, like, I mean, all those DPs that I mentioned, I think they're under contract next year, too. All three of them. So unless you do a buyout, or unless you find a new home for one of them in some way, shape, or form, and if you're finding a new home for any of them, it's probably Pizarro. And you're going to have to take a massive, massive bath on that transfer fee at this point. Like, it's just a really bad situation down there, man. I mean, they just lost to DC United 3 nothing at home. First full stadium ever in club history, and they're getting booed by their own fans. It's brutal. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a playbook to how you operate now if you're Chris Henderson, right? I think you absolutely, you know, you're not really worried about losing money on money on DPs. I mean, I'm sorry to say, like, you can't afford to worry about that if you're trying to be competitive. So, like, yes, you're you're selling well, you're selling Pizarro, right? Like, you we'll, have we'll to. see what ownership has. To, we'll see what ownership there, has to say about there, it. Though, there's multiple ways that you have to look at this. You have to sell Pizarro for multiple reasons. The biggest being when, when you're operating without that chunk of allocation money, and you're going to be up against the budget. You have to start looking at off budget players or low budget hit players, and so they have three senior DPS, so they can only sign one young money player. So the best thing about selling Pizarro is you open a DP spot, which is an un, which is basically an off budget player to a, to, for the most part. And then by doing so, you, you give yourself the chance to sign a young DP, which would allow you to sign three more young money players. So that give, those are players coming two in, more. uh, sorry, two more young money players. And that they, they come in and they're hitting you at a 250 
essentially two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget charge, maybe even a little less, depending on how. Old I think they it's two hundred. It's two hundred or one fifty, depending on their age. Yeah. So, so you're you're you know those types of signings are really important when all of a sudden you don't have allocation money or as much allocation money. Then the second thing is, I think you started to look around. You're saying, okay, we we don't have a great team. We kind of need to rebuild. So. How can we you know, yes, we're not good, but we have good pieces. I think there are pieces on this team that other MLS teams would be interested in. And yes, you're gonna be negotiating from a power a place of no power, but there would be a market if you look to trade LGP. There would be a market if you look to trade Fagal. You know, I think there would be a market if you got desperate and you needed to sell Lewis Morgan. I think you could get more by selling Lewis Morgan to a championship team than you could by trading him inside of MLS, but that would give you potentially, you know, a million dollars of GAM if you could sell them for, you know, 1 million or 1.25 million or something like that, right? So they they have options to offload cap numbers, to bring in allocation money, to sign more off-budget players. But yeah, they're but doing you're it from losing, a position where... And you're losing some of your decent pieces while you're doing that, right? So, like, you know, it's, it's just a tough, tough spot. Um, getting back to this entire dynamic with the punishment and with the investigation and everything going forward. I agree, I think, with your take on does the punishment fit the crime for the most part, because I think the allocation is strict, as we just outlined. McDonough, I think that's going to be a real deterrent for other GMs in the league, particularly those that are like MLS guys, domestic guys. Like, you're not going to risk your career to cheat, right? And like, that's what this is now. And And, and the league has shown you. Um, but man, this is just like, <laughs> I have a lot of questions, Paul. And I think the biggest one, and I think we can walk people through it a little bit. The biggest one is how did the league not know about this until so far after the fact? What's, what's your theory there? Yeah. A lot of people ask this question. I think it's pretty simple, man. The league, it's not like they have like subpoena power. First of all, they don't really have like a compliance department. I mean, they, there is an HQ department, but they're there to like help with budget rules and, and make sure you're, you're raw. The, I think it's the, a little more, I think it's a little more involved than that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, like, you're just... certainly giving over your contracts and stuff. Like they, they, they see that, but that doesn't preclude you or stop you. All of these owners have other companies. They all have other companies. That doesn't stop you from being able to write a check from one of your other companies to that player or to somebody close to that player. And that's – how do you police that? That's very difficult to I, police I don't it. know. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Yeah. And 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 really what it necessitates is a whistleblower. And so for me, that – to me, it's like the, the bigger question is, is how did MLS find out? Because the, I, I am convinced – and Sam, you and I have talked about this for a long time – like the idea that Zlatan Ibrahimovic came in for 1.5 million, even with making the 7.2 million the next year, you know, that, that puts him at what? Yeah. 8.7 million for two years. You're telling me that he was happy with that number? No way. And then, and then after he leaves the galaxy, you find out that he quote unquote purchased a percentage of AEG Sweden and an ownership stake in Hammerby. No details on what he 50, paid. 50% of AEG yeah. Sweden. No, this no, is two no weeks after he leaves the galaxy. No details on what he paid. There's no, you know, that's just magically there. You know, that, that to me is a pretty good sign of what can MLS really police and what really goes into your budget hit. You know, that, that to me is like the same thing we saw here, except for Blaze Matuidi was, you know, still playing. For Miami, he wasn't gone. 
And that, I think, gets at some of this, too, and just how brazen Miami was with this. Because, like, talking to GMs this week and, and really last week over the weekend as well, like, they're like, you don't have to cheat. You don't have to. There are ways where you can operate in the gray area where maybe it's not, like, completely within the spirit of the rules, but it's not against them either, right? There would have been nothing stopping Miami from saying, hey, Blaze, we're going to give you a five-year contract. It's going to be a million and a half a year, but it's going to be the same exact money as a three-year, two-and-a-half million-dollar deal or whatever. You know, you make the money equal. Maybe it's six years, right? Whatever. And maybe the league raises its eyebrow, but you push it through somehow. And then after three years, you say, we're going to buy, we're going to buy you out. And that's the understanding going in. And maybe Matsuidi doesn't agree to something like that, but that's one example of an avenue that you could go down. Another example, right? We mentioned Marcelo Clare. He owns... A club in Bolivia, Club Club Bolivar, one of the biggest, if not the biggest clubs in Bolivia. There would have been nothing stopping them from doing the same exact thing that Zlatan did with AEG, right? And Matuidi can magically purchase a stake in Club Bolivar the moment he leaves Atlanta, or Miami, excuse me. And, you know, maybe a few years later, Clare buys it back from him at a set amount, Right? Like, there are ways that you can do this where it's, like I said, it's not technically within the spirit of the rules, but it's also not technically illegal, and it's not going to get you the punishments that they got on But Friday. that's the question, though, Sam, right? Is it is it not illegal? Like, is that deal between Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the LA Galaxy to have him purchase a 50% stake at whatever price it was, and let's assume it's not market price for the, for the sake of this conversation— you know, is that really towing the line or is that breaking the rule? You know, and, and I mean, I think when was I, that? I think agreed? it depends on your perspective right? <laughs> and it depends on when but, it was. But agreed. how is that and different? I'm, sh- I'm guessing. I, I guess my question is, how is that different than if Blaze Matweedy is paid three million dollars by uh, one of Jorge Mas's other companies to sure. do something else? How is that any different? How are you? How does MLS have the right to say it's not different? It's not at all different, right? Like it's not. But like one way, it's like the unwritten rule thing in baseball, right? There are certain things that are accepted, and there are certain things that are not, right? And like the point is, the point that I was trying to make is just the sheer brazenness of what Miami did, because there are ways that you can do this and not get punished. The Galaxy have been doing these things for years. Hell, man, I think we've talked about this on a previous show. If there's one person in the world who should know that you can kind of tweak the MLS rules to get a player into the team that you want to get into the team, it's David Beckham. The entire reason that Inter-Miami exists is because MLS rewrote the rules for David Beckham when he joined the LA Galaxy in 2007 and granted him the option to exercise for an expansion team for the price of $25 million. He did that. That expansion team eventually became Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami literally doesn't exist if MLS doesn't rewrite the rules for certain players. And I'm not saying Blaise Matuidi is David Beckham. I'm not saying he's even Zlatan. He's not, right? Um, I'm not saying the league would have rewritten the rules for him. I don't think they would have. And I think they proved that <laughs> with the punishments that they slapped down on him. But there are ways around it is the point I'm trying to make. And the sheer brazenness of doing what they did with Matuidi when they knew that they already had 3DPs on the roster, right? Because Reyes was around, right? They already had 3DPs with Pizarro and Reyes and Pellegrini. So he was their fourth. And then to do it again with a fifth? Like, are you kidding? Like, I mean, 
Say what you want. Those guys, I mean, they got some stones. Yeah, I mean, clearly there was a belief that they wouldn't get caught. I mean, I think that's what where we keep coming back to with this. Like, there's really no way, Sam, for you and I to, you know, we say all of this stuff. Like, there are ways around it. Like, yeah, there are. We don't know how many other teams are using the same ways around the rules that Miami used that just haven't been caught, that didn't have well, somebody say, thing, go Paul. look at this. And we're sort of, we're sort of, we've danced around it a little, but. You know, and, and I, we're going to have a story and maybe we'll have some more info on this in, in the story that will be out at some point. But, I mean, how many people would have known about the violation to begin with? It must have been a pretty small circle. Ownership, McDonough, the player, his agent. Right? Like, maybe word leaks out some way. I don't know. Maybe Maybe the circle's bigger than I would assume it to be. But, like... <sighs> <laughs> you know, it's not like they're going to the league and saying like, hey, uh, so, you know, we had some trouble with the wire transfer. Can we get some technical help on like a routing number <laughs> thing? Because we got to we got to deposit three million bucks in, in Blaze's Cayman Islands account. Like, can you help us out with that? No, that's not what happened. Like, I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm I'm guessing somebody in that little circle of trust maybe broke the circle of trust. Yeah. I mean, Sam, I think we should talk about too, like. You and I have heard stories about these rules getting broken a lot, right? And like, we we are limited for by years. what we can report based on what we can verify and having multiple sources. And I think that's why this podcast is difficult for us because we're in the midst of reporting a story where we're doing that, <laughs> right? We're getting these, we're trying to get more sources. We're trying to get verification on some of these stories that we've heard for years. But I think just the fact, without even going into the details of the specific teams in the specific stories, the fact that you and I both heard the same stories from multiple people is indicative of the fact that that there are levels of this that have been occurring around MLS. I think what stands out about this Miami case is it is by far the highest level that we've ever been exposed to of of cheating, right? Because there's so many violations on one roster in one build, right? It's not like... Like we've heard of other teams, I think, where multiple things were happening on those teams. I mean, j- but that just was say it. Over. We've heard about the Galaxy. We've heard about the Galaxy. <laughs> we've heard about the Galaxy. We've heard about, you know, I don't want to go through every team. Every, every We can say the Galaxy because everyone's heard about the Galaxy. But like we we have, there are, there's at least one other there's club. Others. You know, yeah. probably There's two. some notorious people that come up in this stuff. Right. That It's hard. You can't really prove anything. And, right? and it's all stuff but, that happens over many, many years, right? Like it's, you know. Yes, that's the other. This is over like a decade once, or half a decade. You know, this is one roster. This is like six months. Like, not even. It's like a summer, basically. Like, it's insane, man. Like, what, what did they think they were doing? Like, that's the thing. It's like, who is calling the shots? I mean, obviously, Moss and McDonough are involved. Majorly, right? They're the ones that got punished. I have a hard time believing David Beckham didn't know anything about this. Like, I know the league didn't, you know, like, I shouldn't even really say that probably. But, like, that's an eyebrow raiser for me. I'll be honest. I mean, like, at the end of the day, I think one. I was talking to one person in the league. I'm just going to put it bluntly. Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, like clearly Paul McDonough got hammered here. Like, and, and I think, like, the fact that that happened is because he was the COO and the chief soccer officer right Sporting like he director. was in charge of yeah. everything right but yeah. he ain't writing a three million dollar check to blaze mcsweetie that's not paul mcdonough's money right so no when and, we talk about moss it got punished moss got right, punished moss too got punished too so my, my point being that like when we talk about like who's who's in charge here 
Like, the buck doesn't stop with Paul McDonough, nor did it in these punishments, because Moss did too. But, like, I, I just... I don't know, man. I just find it hard to believe that, like, one owner is, is fronting everything. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know, right? Like, maybe he is. He's the managing partner. Maybe he's responsible for yeah, most maybe, of the costs. Maybe that's, maybe right? that's it's, just It's conceivable. Doing. Hey, and you know what, Sam? To your point earlier when you were saying about circles, man, you probably try to keep those circles as small as you possibly can. You probably yeah. try to keep those circles as small as you possibly can. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> in this case, it wasn't uh, small enough. Ugh. You know, it's just the there's it's just amazing, dude. There are so many layers to this story. And sorry, yeah, I just want to ask you. You know, you like me have been calling a lot of people around the league um, on many different levels, trying to kind of hear their perspective on what happened. What what's been like the one like if you were to sum up kind of the take of people around the league regarding what was done and what the punishment was like what are what are the people you're talking to saying man i've heard a lot of different things a lot of different opinions there isn't really a consensus to me on this one like i've heard people say yeah mcdonough did wrong and he deserved to be punished but the fact that he got the brunt of this and ownership isn't feeling it as hard is bs some people are saying that right um you have other people being like yeah like this has been kind of the book on mcdonough Right. And like you have those people that are saying like the league needs to look into Atlanta 2017 and 18 and see what was going on there. Right. Like Leandro Gonzalez Perez, one of those guys whose budget charge was hidden. He was on those Atlanta teams. Right. So like th there's some real like questioning of that. The other part is like and we've talked about this part already, but the, one of the other parts is how did the league like let this happen? You know, and like, what does compliance look like going forward? And I think it'll be beefed up according to what I've heard from different people. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that will look like, but I think the league is going to make some efforts. I think this is an effective deterrent as well, as I mentioned before. But those are three of the things that have really kind of stuck out to me. And then the other thing is just like, Miami's in trouble. Like Miami is in trouble. And I talked about that a lot already, but just to add to what I said earlier, that market's fickle, dude. Like, that's not like, that's not a, a Minnesota or a Cincinnati where they're going to, you know, suffer for a couple of seasons or maybe even more and keep coming out and keep packing the stands week in, week out. That's not what that market's like. You know, they'll come out for a good team and a good, exciting product 100% and like that atmosphere could be incredible. But if that team is trash, people aren't going to be there. <laughs> And if that's the book on them, you might have a hard time getting them back once you become not trash, right? So Miami's in trouble. Um, and, and so those are some of the things I'm hearing. Do you have anything else that, that you've been kind of hearing and listening in on? No, I mean, I think one thing has been a lot of jokes that there are a lot of like barrel fires at different team headquarters around Major League Soccer, like, you know burning the evidence that exists in those i had one person joke to me like i need to go read through my emails and he was kidding but like only kind of <laughs> <laughs> right exactly so like you know there is a little bit of that and i think that's just again it's an acknowledgement that like this sport is not black and white there is a lot of gray and there are a lot of people who are comfortable operating in the gray some people there are not. Some people we, we've heard. There are certain GMs that we know are very black and white. But then there are Straight some arrows, GMs yep. and some owners who are very gray. And they don't mind. And, and by the way, Paul, like 
it's in their competitive interests to be in that area. MLS has a lot of gray areas, like by design, and you can operate in those areas and it's n- there's nothing wrong with it. It's not against the rules. And if that gives you a competitive advantage and a better chance of winning, maybe you should be there. And, and some of it is against the rules, but not, you know, I, I, someone I was talking to recently said, you know, he felt like the, the job of some of the people in the player department in the history of MLS has been to say, let's figure out how we can get this deal done. Right. Let's figure out how we can get this player into the league. Right. They, they want the league to do well. And that's also been a criticism. Right. Because that leaves open the potential for playing favorites and for saying, you know, in the case of the Galaxy, let's find out a way to get this player in the league, to get this deal done. It'll be good for the league. And but that is that is the gray area that you're talking about. Right. Like that is the way that the league has left open the rules to say we can change them and interpret them as we see fit. The guidelines, the, the guidelines, Paul. the guidelines. It's my Twitter <laughs> header. If you go look at it, um, that that paragraph from the 2017 MLS rules and regulations uh, has not changed. Um, and but I do want us to point out something that you and I have talked about a lot. I wrote this back when the Galaxy were were redoing Zlatan's contract because the rest of the league was basically like, look, we'll look the other way along with you guys on Zlatan for one year as a TAM player. But we're not looking the other way two years in a row. And once Latan yeah. decided he wanted to come back, he had to come back as a DP. And, you know, that meant the Galaxy had four DPs and they had to solve it. And they were having conversations up until the deadline trying to figure out a way to keep Giovanni Dos Santos on the Galaxy roster. And, you know, the MLSPA was basically like, there's no way in hell we're letting any player decrease their amount of guaranteed money, no matter how many years you spread it over a contract because it sets a really bad precedent precedent for the rest of the player pool. And 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 the solution was eventually that the Galaxy had to buy out Giovanni Dos Santos' contract and he ended up going back to Liga Mekis. And at the time, I was I was really staying on the league hard because I heard that they were trying to kind of find a workaround and we were talking to a lot of teams that were saying there is no workaround. Like this is impossible Mitt, to Paul, do. Have you ever had a week where you received more angry calls from like GMs no, and GM like people? Had, I have not clubs received a, than that one. No, it was it was like constant, a constant flow of people being yeah. like I don't care what people they were say. Just, people were impossible. calling and yelling. <laughs> They were calling and yelling. Right. Because they had seen it. Too <laughs> like many you couldn't times. even say hello. <laughs> and and then I got, you know, then it was constant yelling from Galaxy fans who thought I was like hating on the Galaxy. And my and the funny thing is my column after that whole situation was resolved with the buyout was, you know, this is a sign that there are owners who are willing to have more than three DPs, who are willing to spend the money to bring good players to the league. It's not a bad thing to bring Zlatan, and it wouldn't be a bad thing to have Zlatan and Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos and uh, Alessandrini as your fourth DP. Like, like it was a sign to me that there are owners who are ready to grow and that the league has had the same structure and the same rules for a really long time in order to help the league grow, but that maybe the league has grown faster than the rules. And I still believe that with this Matuidi case. I still believe that in all of these other littler, smaller violations that we talk about of maybe tucking away uh, an agent fee here or uh, offering a couple extra hundred thousand dollars here, or maybe it's a bag full of cash there or whatever it is that you're hearing about, (laughs) Um, you know, or or whatever it might be. 
Um, but like maybe it's like maybe it's a car. Maybe the owner lends a player his car. Maybe it's a, until, maybe it's a condo. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it could yeah. be a number of things, right? But like the 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 point being that these owners, you know, there are a bunch of billionaire owners, and some of them are okay spending more money than than the league will let them. And and I think that that's an important thing to remember here is that yes, I think there are two things that should come out of this situation. The first is that MLS, in my opinion, needs to beef up its compliance department, right? They need to have a better handle on what transactions are being done. We have been told is going to happen. Correct. The second is I think it's time for MLS to sit down, the product strategy committee and the player department and the CSOs to sit down and say, Okay, let's rethink this top to bottom, not let's add young money here and TAM there and figure out ways to add pots of money here and there because we're trying to satisfy these owners and we're trying to satisfy those owners. I think they need to sit down and say, let's rethink this whole system and determine whether it's still the best fit for the league as it's currently structured, for the ownership groups as they're currently structured. And I think even if you look back to the BCG study that was very influential on Major League Soccer and some of the strategic decisions they made, especially specific to their audiences. But they also made recommendations on soccer operations. One of the things that BCG study talked about was, you know, the the, the competitive balance falling out when you hit about 2x of spend. So when a team is doubling their spend, that's when you start to see a major difference in results. So a lot of what MLS tries to b- prevent is from a team essentially doubling Enough, like the everyone else's spend, and I, but I think there's a you know one of the recommendations BCG had that what they said was maybe you'll lose a little bit more parity than if you keep it the way you have it and add little pots of money here and there that'll give you the maximum amount of parity in the league, but if you lose you'll lose a little bit of parity and the higher spending teams will win a little bit more if you set a ceiling and a floor, but it was one of their recommendations of you'll it's the best way to get a better product on the field overall for the league, but you will lose a little bit of the parity that you have now. And I think it's time for MLS to take a look at how they do things and say, you know, maybe that's the best way forward. And maybe there are some protections you can put into place there that satisfy the the lower spending teams and give them a little bit of a boost. You know, I don't know. But I think it's time to say and acknowledge that there are people who want to spend more money and that we should probably find a way to do it out in the open versus this way. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And just to play devil's advocate though, for a minute, you know, there are people that want to spend more and there are people that want to push the envelope and it's not just Miami or the galaxy or the two teams we've talked about. You can do it within the rules too. Like look at the teams that are spending Cincinnati is pushing, you know, Toronto, um, NYCFC, right. Some of these other LAFC, some of these other teams too, but the majority of teams do not want to do that. Right? The majority of owners do not want to do that. The majority are comfortable with the way things are. And that's why the way things are are the way things are. You know? Yeah, but we're, until you have until you have that critical mass, man, it's, it's not gonna it's change. Not about, again, this isn't about drastically changing the spend. Like this can be done in a way where the spend doesn't change drastically. It's the structure of the spend. Right? Yeah. I mean I agree. It's 100%. saying let's take you know a I look at the average over the last five years of the highest spending teams and the lowest spending teams and set. And and yes, maybe we bump 
the ceiling a little bit above that average and we bump the floor a little bit above that average to say we're growing. But the the actual spend for the, even the lowest spending teams doesn't change. You you know what? If you want to spend on this floor, this is what you've been spending. And the ceiling hasn't really changed from what existed before. All we're saying is outside of, you know, I, I guess you probably have, if you do it that way, you probably have to include DPs, right? Still keep DPs. But the rest of your spend can be spent however you want it, right? And that just allows teams to have different strategies on how they build. And yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about it a million times, right? Like a million times. And, and I think that would be more efficient. I think it would lead to a more interesting league. I think it would lead to a better overall quality of play and better overall products and all of that stuff. But the same thing I said applies, right? Yeah, of course. Like, uh, I don't, this, like, and, and like, presumably they, they had the chances to do this. They had three chances to do this, Paul, in 12 months from February 2020 and before through February 2021 when they redid the CBA three times and they didn't do anything. And that doesn't mean they can't do it again until the CBA changes because they can change certain things that aren't like certain things aren't collectively bargained. Right. Um, but I mean, if they didn't change it, if COVID wasn't enough to get them to change its structure, right. And the three different CBA negotiations they did wasn't enough to get them to change the structure. Then why is Miami going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? It's it's not necessarily, I, it's the straw that broke my back and saying like, this is just so obvious that you need to make a change. <laughs> bro, bro, our backs have been broken for so long. Yeah, so true. <laughs> um, but I just think like, I'm not even saying that this change has to happen next year or before the 2022 World Cup. All I'm saying is study it more closely. Commission a study internally like you did with BCG. But sit down with more soccer people this time because it was very obviously obvious Hi, reading that report. Hire us. That yeah, we'll do it for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they would love that. Um, and and you know, get the CSO. We'll do it for Blaze McTweedy's salary. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Um, Both. <laughs> I, I just think that it would be. You know, I just think that there are signs. There have been signs over the last few years. Again. Beyond just the number of new owners who have come in who have indicated by their actions that they're willing to spend more than has been spent in MLS typically, right? LAFC, Atlanta, you know, even the way Toronto has operated, you know, in the last few years and the, the types of spends that they've been making and NYCFC when they first entered the league. I, I just think that even now they that, just spent 10 million on yeah, Talis Magno or whatever it was. We've now yeah. had two teams. In a matter of what, three years that have had to buy out a DP in order to fit another DP? Like, I think just two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what wasn't it? It was 19 for Gio dos Santos. Yeah. 19 to 21. So tw twice in two years. Yeah. And to me, that's just a sign of, in a way, I'm not saying completely. I'm not trying to like excuse the cheating. I'm, not, I'm really not. I'm just saying, in some ways, it's a sign of ambition hitting a wall, right? Like, you 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 found a better player. You want to bring him in, and the only solution in order to do it is to spend several million dollars to tell a player to go away. And and you know those signings weren't perfect for Miami. They were you know, but the Galaxy <laughs> no. made the right decision. You know, I the mean, Galaxy made eh, the right decision. I mean, Zlatan scored a bajillion goals, 
But Zlatan scored more goals in two years than Chris Pontius scored in his whole career. And Chris Pontius is a pretty good MLS player, man. And, and, and they weren't a good team. So, you know. Yeah, but there are other reasons for that, right? There's, a, there's other, you know, again, I mean, all of this, all of this goes into one bucket. And that bucket is like, all I'm asking is when's the last time the league sat down and said, is this the best structure for how, where our league is now? And for the level of play we need to get to, you know, when's the last time for a long time, this model worked as much as we hated it. It helped the league grow incrementally. It kept costs down and the league was getting better and better and better and better. And now we're at this point where the league is starting to say, okay, we have way more competition on television. We have, um, you know, we, we have sustained growth, but we, we need to get better television audiences. Um, in order to maximize our commercial strength. And w- we talk about the chicken and the egg all the time. We need to get better on the field in order to get those better TV numbers. How can we do it? And all I'm saying is maybe it's time to take a look and say, is the structure that we've used for the last decade plus, I mean, it's more than that, but really decade and really since 2015 that all this other stuff has been coming in, you know, is this really the best way to grow? Take some time and think about it. That's all I'm saying. And in the meantime, spend a little money in your compliance department to, I don't yeah, know. hire us to think about it for you, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I'm sure no, that, I'm that all of the um, GMs in the league would appreciate us coming in and being like, listen, guys, this is how some you do of, things. Some of them. We yeah. got we got some I'm episodes sure of allocation that. disorder that we'd like to play for you. Yeah. It's like we're, you know, we're teaching like a, like a remedial eighth grade class in MLS roster rules and they need to learn. And no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will say, Paul, as a counterpoint to everything you just said, no matter what the rules are, people are always going to toe the line, you know? So to say, hey, these teams are towing the line, they're having to buy people out. And to say that's a sign that it needs to change. I don't know if I'm like, I'm with you that it needs to change. I'm not sure that like cheating is evidence that it needs to change because no matter how strict or how loose the regulations are, people are always going to be searching for that competitive edge in a professional sports environment when winning is is like what makes you money and what gets you glory and all that jazz. What you're saying, what you're saying is there are some habitual line steppers is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there are some habitual line steppers and you know, uh like, I, I don't even know. I was trying to make another Chappelle show joke. I was going to, like, reference the play I hate his ball, but I couldn't really find a way to smoothly do that. So. I feel like allocation disorder... Here we are. For the last few weeks, and maybe for our entire existence, allocation disorder has been brought to you by the play I hate his ball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even know. I do have something very... Whoa. I'm knocking my microphone over. It's very exciting. I have something very important to add to this and i cannot believe it's taken this long for me to share this paul when we were writing this the just the newser that you know we were thinking might be a little more than a newser but we'll get there eventually um about this miami story you know what i you know what i was doing while i was writing that story with you you have any guesses i don't know if i want to know were you drinking I was eating i was eating dunkaroos <laughs> i was gonna say were you drinking four logo it's pretty close <laughs> <laughs> it's not close at all um <laughs> but yeah we're very sidetracked at the moment but i you just know what i was doing when the, the news audience. broke sam you do know what i was doing when um, the news broke i can't really remember you were probably like in a in a sailboat you were yachting on like michigan or something but 
No, on Memorial Day Friday when the news dump happened, I was on the golf course on a Friday afternoon oh, that's right. with my brother-in-law. And I put the phone down to try to put out one last hole. And then I angrily got into the golf cart and drove home or drove to my car to drive home. And then Which I you didn't need to do, by the way. You didn't need to do it. the rest of the day. Missed you didn't need to do family. it. Just angry. I was, dry, I was actually driving through McDonough, Georgia. I'm not even kidding when when this was happening. So that was kind of a bit of poetry, I guess you could say. Um have we have we gone over everything we need to go through with this? I feel like there's more, but I yeah, can't really look, remember. I, again, I I mean I think there's more here. I think there's this is not the last time and I, I tweeted this on Friday after the news up. This is not the last time we're gonna talk about Miami. There's a lot more here to write about. There's a lot more for us to talk about. I think you know, as we've mentioned multiple times on this episode, there's a couple stories or at least one big story that Sam and I are working on and reporting on. And I think once that story runs, we'll be able to come on Hopefully and, and Friday. talk more about that. Um, but look, I, I think the main thing is just like, you know, for me, if I'm going to bullet point what I took out of Miami, it's this was really bad. They aren't <laughs> they aren't the only team in MLS that cheats, but this was really bad. Different. This is a different level. MLS like different needs, galaxy. MLS needs to find out if this is occurring on any sort of level at other teams, and and the investigation can't end with this, right? Because there's there's more you have to look into. It can't end here. That's that's my big thing. Is I'd be shocked if MLS like I'm not shocked that MLS would want it to end here, but I don't see how you can have this happen at a team, dole out punishments, and then be like, okay, let's play. Dude, they're not going back in time. I don't think they're going back and looking at Atlanta or any other team in the past. They, how badly, like, they might go out. Yeah. How badly do they want to disparage an MLS Cup winning team, right? Like, it's good for them that Miami not, wasn't good last year. Oh, my God. They dodged such a bullet, man. Can you imagine? And I, 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 I do want to talk about this for a second. Like, Miami snuck into the playoffs and finished 10th, and they were not good, and they got smacked by Nashville, right? I think I mentioned that at the top. Imagine how the Chicago Fire feel right now. They finished one point behind Miami. And I'm not saying the Fire would have won MLS Cup, right? But they finished one point behind Miami. Maybe if Miami only has three DPs instead of five, the Fire finish in front of them. And they make the playoffs. And maybe Rafa Wicke isn't on the hot seat right now if he made the playoffs last year, right? And who knows? Like, there's a bunch of different hypotheticals and a bunch of different weird lanes we could walk down on that. But, like, I mean... <laughs> so the fire are mad. Maybe DC United's mad. Other teams are mad about the process. But can you imagine if this team had won MLS Cup? Like, my God, dude. Like, they dodged such a bullet on that. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, I think it's worth pointing out, again, there's nothing but bad that can happen if MLS goes back and looks, right? Like, if they go back and look at Atlanta 2018 and they find there was cheating, that's awful. If they go even well, further What back, are they going to do? If, they're going to do they, NCAA vacate the championship. Right. Like, what are you going to, you're going to, you're going to have to take the banner down. What do you think happens <laughs> if they go back and look at the David Beckham era galaxy? You think, you think yeah, there well, are not, some MLS yeah. cups getting vacated Jesus. in those years? There's some uh, MLS cups getting vacated in those years. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Like, I mean, yeah, that's why they're not going back in time. Let, let, don't, don't dig up those, those skeletons. You don't want them. Like, that being said, I do think they need to kind of audit everybody, like audit everyone now, you know, go through all the rosters, take a closer look, say, open up all the books, 
You know, maybe it's maybe it's a situation where you grant amnesty. <laughs> you know, if you come out, if a GM comes out and says, "Hey, you know, my bad, cheated a little, sorry." Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to limit what I say here. I'm not trying to get myself into trouble on a podcast, which is what I typically tend to feel like I do. But like, yeah, I think I think I I sailed away on that ship a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> on this yeah. show, I just think like. Like, from what you and I have heard over many years of reporting around this league, like, those skeletons, there are a lot of them. They're in a lot of closets, and they're not just in team closets. You know what I mean? If you're going to start Man, looking... We shouldn't... Paul, Paul, you're leaving our audience in such a bad spot right now. That's like, I know this, but I not, can't tell you. Not, That's so unfair. It's that. Apologize. It's just, it's just the idea that, like, MLS, the same idea you're talking about, MLS knows that... You can glance around and catch the obvious stuff and you can be fine. But if you really start looking, the trouble, you know, the trouble gets a lot bigger, right? You start talking about MLS Cup champions. You start talking about hmm. the league itself. You, well, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Sounds like a job for two intrepid reporters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think uh, on that note, we'll close out the show. Like I said, we'll we'll be back next week. We'll we'll talk some USMNT stuff, wrap up the Nations League, all that jazz. I'm sure there will be more Miami content in that episode as well. But thank you so much for listening to this one. It was fun. I thought it was interesting and exciting. Hopefully you did too. Um, this has been Allocation Disorder. I am Sam. He's Paul. Thanks for listening. 